All right, good morning, everybody. Um, okay. It's good to see everybody. Uh, I did, uh, Tina handed out a little uh, classroom notes for today. Um, we will, uh, you know, we're not even halfway done with this uh, reading. Um, so we're going we're gonna to do our best just to kind of move along, and uh, we're not in a hurry, though, because, you know, when we started this out, I thought it would be a lot farther along. Um, and some of the questions I said, hey, we'll get to, like, I don't know if we're going to get to them, because it's just the way things are. So, um, needless to say... May 19th, I think, is our last time together, whatever that Friday is. Um, so if we don't get through the whole thing, it's okay. We'll take it up again in the fall, I guess. It'll be great. Maybe the men will have something going on, and it'll be a nice little dialogue. Uh, yeah, because uh, next Thursday, I think it is, or no, this coming Thursday, is the mandate. Jessica Bukes, I think, came up with that phrase, the mandate. The, uh, the, um, well, at least that's what I'm calling it right now. I'm not sure exactly that, if that's what it's called, but it should be called that. It's the uh, counterpart to Friday morning women's Bible study. I, I said it's the counterpart. I didn't say it was the same. Um, as, as somebody's told me, well, no, I, it's, it, uh, measuring is in the way of the law because I've been told that, you know, women have other things besides Friday morning and men have, what do men have? Like book club. It's not a men's book club. They have Thursday morning, yes, and you have Friday morning. So we're even? But what about Women's Book Club? What's the counterpart for men's for that? See, this is why we don't measure. It's the way of the law. We measure, and all of a sudden, look at us. We sound like Adam and Eve in the garden. Anyways, I, uh, I don't think there's any agenda like Friday morning's my Bible study, like the pastors actually think about things for this. Um, but I would, I don't know where it is. Somewhere. Emmett's. But I, yeah, I think uh, Pastor Bukes and I would like to do with the men what we're trying to do on Friday morning. So hopefully that will bear fruit. Counterpart. Men, men version. <laughs> yes. We should educate them on this too. So maybe we could just do, yeah, maybe I could, yeah, okay. Yeah. Our first step would be to watch the movie, the old Mel Gibson movie from the 90s, right? What Women Want or whatever, right? It's terrible. Terrible. Okay. Uh, the, the Today's section, though, Today's sec- not that you read it, because who knows where we were when we left off, but um, it was uh, started on pa- at the bottom of page 11, Eve Mary, 
which I, it was funny because you had to wait till the very end to even talk about Eve and Mary. But um, the uh, I, assuming that maybe some of us didn't read a lot. I mean, again, I'm, I I don't know where we are in this thing. So next week, though, we're gonna we're gonna do Jesus Christ next week, which is uh, part five, I believe, right? I told Pastor Bukes we're getting we're gonna just yes part five next week. So that is your if you want to like get back on track, we'll do part five next week. We're supposed to do part four today. Um, that is on page seventeen, I believe. Yeah, page seventeen. I think the document's forty-two pages or thirty, yeah, something like that. So we're almost halfway. But for next week, five. Today we're doing part four, though, which starts on the page 11. Uh, you know, the beginning of this section, uh, it starts with the uh, sin, beginning in sin. And he, he, do, he, he does that because he's kind of setting up um, the, the first gospel in Genesis 3.15. So it was a little bit of a like an academic exercise. Like I felt like this was the most academic or dogmatic section. He's talking about sin and original sin, and some of this we've already covered. This is where the, the, his Roman Catholicism really comes out. So Lutherans in, in Rome have a, a different understanding of original sin. Uh, some of the things that, but we don't need to get into that. I, I don't think so. The main point of this is, what happened when sin entered into the world? Well, man, male and female, were created to share in this intimate life, the life of God. With God, in God, I mean, God's life itself. So, when sin entered, I I quote here from page 12, um, sin is a negation of God as creator in his relationship to man and of what God wills for man from the beginning and forever. So uh, sin, it will just be part of this old creation until uh, the, new, you know, the eschaton, when uh, the devil will be put down into the abyss and there will be no more tears. So the thing is, though, is that um, original sin deals with claiming ourselves as creator, not God, so, in terms of giver and receiver, original sin takes things rather than receives things and sees ourselves as a giver when, in fact, we are primarily a receiver. And then, on top of that, uh, what God wills for man. What did God will for man in the beginning? And there were, you know, there's a couple things. One is... Um, be fruitful and multiply. So you have this abundant relationship with one another. So I think we talked about before, right, this original unity between Adam and Eve, and they're not fully the image of God uh, until they're living in this original unity, which mimics the Trinity and the unity that God has within himself. Um, so that's one. And then, which of course, then okay, the... Be fruitful and multiply sounds very simple, like, hey, have a lot of babies. But that's not, that's not actually, that's not only it. Procreation is part of that, but also this um, 
experiencing the fullness of life itself, God's life. Uh, yeah. Um, in our Lutheran service book, Marriage Right, it's it's like the uh, mutual mutual companionship, which I I mean like some nerd wrote that, <laughs> and not like some of it has got a little romantic flair. Come on, <laughs> technically that's true, but I mean my anniversary's coming up. I'm gonna not use that language when I speak to my wife. Hey, baby. We're enjoying life, the mutual companionship. Okay. Um, but, and then, okay, so be fruitful, multiply, and then have dominion over uh, the world, which we talked about before, deals with not just ecological concerns, but cultural concerns. So there's a, there's a fullness going on. So when sin enters in, we have a rejection. So we have a break of relationship with God, and then we have a break of relationship with each other. And we have a break of relationship of what we are to do in life. I mean, all this stuff is, is uh, broken. Okay. So, um, it, so it's primarily a rejection of these things. So God's giving these things to us. He gives us life. He gives us purpose. He gives us relationships. And sin says, no, thank you. I'm going to take, take over. So, of course, there's consequences of that rejection. And one of them is sin. You know, death, the rejection of life is death, and then the fractured and twisted relationships between male and female. And of course, then between friendships and men, and, and then between women and women. Yeah. So um, it's pervasive. I think that's all he meant to say in the beginning of that section. So, one of the consequences, though, that God describes in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, when he, he talks to Eve is um, man will have rule over you, male. So i got to make sure I remind everybody, when I use the word man, I use it in two circumstances, man man being male and female, and then man being male, men. Um, So this is is something that God describes and not prescribes. I think that's something that maybe we have to say on the outset. Because unfortunately, I've heard this, too many times in my life to justify, uh, you know, male dominance, patriarchy and, and nonsense like that, that, you know, man is supposed to rule over woman. Um, God is describing a, a, a problem. It's, it's, not a, uh, it's not something we, we want to um, do. And there's a long quote there, right in the middle of that first page on the handout. A human being, whether male or female, is a person, and therefore the only creature on earth which God willed for its own sake. He's, he, reviews, he reviews stuff that he's already said, but I, I wanted to include that in there because it's important. So every person is a person. At the same time, this unique and unrepeatable creature cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of self. And that, that's very important, the sincere gift of self. Here begins the relationship of communion in which the unity of the two and the personal dignity of both man and women find expression. So that's the way it's supposed to be. That is the way before sin, where 
the original solitude. Hey, I'm a person, um, but I'm alone. So God creates Eve. Whoa, hey, there's a body that expresses the person. And, and then we live together, um, mutually giving ourselves to one another. Okay, great. Therefore, when we read in the biblical description, the words addressed to the woman, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you, we discover a break in a constant threat precisely in regard to this, the unity of the two, which corresponds to the dignity of the image and likeness of God in both of them. But this threat is more serious for the woman since domination takes the place of being a sincere gift and therefore living for the other. He shall rule over you. So that is, that is something where um, both obviously men and women need to understand within their relationship. So the, 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 the danger for men is abuse. I mean, this, you know, having this domination and then justifying it as being appropriate. And then, of course, women allowing this to happen and, and, and then justifying it also. So, um, yeah, Donna. Um, you know, I was surprised when I saw a footnote in my Bible that after the, your desire shall be for... Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah, there's some manuscripts that have, if people have like the ESV, it'll say, your desire will be against your husband. Um, I always thought that meant that um, the woman would try to please, you know, but it's... Yeah, right. So there's, there's two things. One is, um, so, one desc- so they both describe the fracture of this relationship now because of sin. The one where it says, your desire shall be against your husband, that, that's painfully obvious. Okay, then psh, there's problems that need to be con- overcome, redeemed between these relationships. The other one, though, is, is uh, the desire is for your husband, but he will have dominion over you, is describing descri- who, where is the problem now in this? The husband is that he's now having, he's dominating over you. You don't want him to dominate over you. You want him to love you, but he's, he's not loving you. He's dominating you. So you have now what kind of relationship happening, which we would call a, like an abusive relationship or something. So also that's right. So it's also the woman. Yeah, so Donna, Donna said, Donna said um, the, other, uh, the other idea is that the w- woman will, will, or the, you know, uh, Eve in this instance, will then try to put herself over her husband or dominate her husband. That's, that's a fair enough interpretation, too. What both of those describe, though, is not the mutual giving of one another. So, but to each other, exactly. They fundamentally, rather than considering themselves gifts to each other, they've now objectified each other. So the other person is an object to be manipulated or do whatever I want with. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. This, so I mean, again, this sin is a. It's it's the original sin. It's this. It's screwed up everything. It's it's ruined all of us. And we participate in that also. 
So the thing is, though, is that um, there's other ramifications. So think about it this way. Why did Eve attack Satan in the Garden of Eden? And uh, what was... Why, yeah, why did Eve attack... I'm sorry, Satan attack Eve. Did I, what did I write down? Why, oh, why was Eve attacked by Satan? Yeah, that's a new translation. Top secret. As I, I, I tell the pastor chat kids, I say, hey, I found this ancient manuscript in my backyard. So maybe... It's just an old... It's a, well, never mind. Okay. That's not old. You just, you just made that, Pastor. Okay. Um, why, was, why did Satan attack Eve? Now, there's actually a rationale for this. We just don't really think about it. Now, unfortunately, most of, uh, a lot of church tradition says Eve was attacked for what reason? I don't actually believe this. What's that? Curiosity that she, she wanted to know a little bit more. Yeah, like she's at fault. Yeah, like so she had this kind of bad desire, right? That was one of them. The other one was another one. This was actually the more like uh, it, it uh, spoke uh, better for women. Uh, oh, yeah, no. She, she, no, yeah, see, this is good. Good, good, good. She was the weaker sex. So it, it, Satan attacks the weaker sex. Or gender. Um, right. So this is this is why. I mean, I, I just told you this is why. I mean, uh, Genesis three sixteen is so pervasive. There's parts of uh, culture where we, you know, we don't even see how, unfortunately, the domination kind of pervades everything. So, woman is not the is not it's not it's not weaker. And in that word weaker, of course, you have to kind of understand in terms of like middle age or reformational context. We can't think about it that way. But, but there is there's a point to it. Now, the reason why Satan attacked Eve was because some, uh, more along the lines of what Holly said. You know, she was more intelligent. She was, yeah. Is actually, so. Um, is he a chapter with the knowledge to be more knowledgeable? With the tree of knowledge? Yes, so, so the tree of knowledge of good and evil, of course, God says, you can have everything, don't eat this one, and then Satan kind of um, tempts, I'll say attack, I think he attacks, um, attacks Eve. Uh, um, we can read it within Genesis 3.16. Three fifteen? Did I say three sixteen? I mean, uh, well, three sixteen is the the thing about the husband. Um, so he he uh, so God is is uh, talking to Satan in, in verse three, chapter three, verse fifteen. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So I, I don't even know this, but Satan hates women. God just said it right there. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. He says that to Satan. So, so this, I mean, this is something where um, has, you know, cultural, I mean, Satan has been utilizing the, um, 
male dominance to the point, you know, he's using it for his own goals. Um, but, there, you know, he attacks Eve because Eve is the, the mother of all the living. She's the one who receives life and gives life. And, of course, it's through the woman that Christ is born, will be born. So he destroys, he wants to destroy women because if he destroys women, who doesn't come? Yeah, the Savior. Right. However, his hatred is for the one who bears God's purpose. Of course, it's Adam, too, so that's why I ask, what is Adam's role? What is Adam's role in this whole situation here, in the, in the, in the fall of, into sin? Or what does he fail at? I'm sorry. Yeah. She also gave some fruit to her husband, who was with her. Yeah. That's the question. I mean, was he there the whole time? Yeah, absolutely. He was. I mean, I think. I think that's 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 what the the Bible kind of gives the, gives the picture, the word with, because before this too. I mean, this is the other thing too is the the um, the original unity between the two. You know, Adam's not going to go on a work trip. You know, he's living. He's they're living together. They're together. That's all you have to say. I mean, you don't have to think about it any more concretely than they are together. So when Satan attacks Eve, they are together. So Adam, who is supposed to be the one who um, is the giver, the one who's supposed to mimic God, God to his, his wife, of course now, what has he turned into? Yeah, a taker or a receiver. And Eve now has turned into this giver. The problem is, though, is that even before this, Adam is supposed to be, he's supposed to, yeah, he's supposed to stop this nonsense from happening. Of course, I mean, if we know any men, we see these sins being played out in so much of our lives, right? (laughs) Um. No, but yeah, so this is the thing, is that, Julie, uh, we have to really understand this original sin as being something, because uh, Eve gets kind of, gets a bad rap with the Apostle Paul at first glance. You know, Eve's the one who got tricked, not Adam. Uh, no, well, that's true, right? He did get tricked. I mean, she got, well, that's not what, I don't, that's not what he says. Um, deceived, sorry. Is that, I guess that might be a good cinnamon trick. Um, she was deceived, not Adam. Well, that's that's true, but he also was deceived into not, you know, protecting, and and being the gift to her. Because what should have Adam have done if he was to be a giver in that instance? He should have gave what his what for her, his life for her. Yeah, exactly. So he didn't. Holly. I never thought about the uh, fall as like a way that Satan used to drive a stake between the man and the woman. Mm-hmm. And like the union that God created. Right. Which was so connected. 
Yep. And it was, it was like passive aggressive, backhanded way to get back at God. Like God made this beautiful union and Satan came to just separate it. Break it up. Yep. So. Yeah, he, uh, well, it, 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 yeah, exactly. I mean, this is something that is, um, well, like all scripture, the more we think about it, the more we meditate upon it, the more we see. And it's uh, very practical, as, as Jody said. Every day we see this. Um, no, but this is very important for because uh, in the doc in this in the document we read by John Paul II is that he's 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 building this this picture now, is that woman is, and he's I think he says this on like page fifteen or something. You know, woman is the archetype of humanity. A woman is what all humanity is to be like. Insofar, at, now we're supposed to be all women, but we are primarily first receivers. So in chapel, I read 1 John 4.10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So you have this reception of love, and then when you receive love, the next verse is, you, thus you ought to love one another. So we cannot give what we haven't received. Just like, you know, uh, women cannot give birth unless they received from, from the man. You can't give life unless you receive life. I mean, these are all these, this giving and receiving imagery happening already early on. So, if Eve, and this, I think I might have said this before now, because there, there's, a, there's a, a train of thought within uh, kind of biblical interpretation where there's somewhat of like a hierarchy of creation, and on the sixth day, you know, man is created, because you know, he's created in the image of God. But within the creation of man, right, there's a sequence. Man first, woman second. So w- woman is the pinnacle of creation, and we know that not just from the sequence logically, but we also know it from whose words? Adam's. Well, God's, of course, but Adam's. This is the first time he's talked. And what does what he want to talk about? He wants to talk about the woman. He wants to talk about Eve. So, that, I mean, that, that's also part of uh, Satan's terrible rationale. Is he wants to attack the, the most, the most uh, uh, exalted I don't want to say the best, because that's not the right word. So, <laughs> Judy, it's terrible over there. Jiminy crickets. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. This is a hostile environment for me here. What's that, Carol? Well, yeah, so, so this, it's, it's exactly right. Yeah, so woman is never understood... Yeah. Okay. Yes. John. First John four. Yeah. Right. The give, Yeah. The giving and receiving. Circular kind of a logic. That's exactly right. So um, I think we did this a while ago. So I had that little picture of the guy loving, and there's a arrows going everywhere. Right. So everything starts with God. Is given towards, and of course, what does what does uh, man, man, male and female share that love amongst each other? Then, of course, they also then return that love back, back to God. That's exactly right. 
Yeah, it, it's it's a it, and that's good. So you want to you want to remember the 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 giving and receiving that happens within relationships. Unfortunately, many think that everything ends in them, right? I mean, <laughs> so uh, and that often happens in relationships that are you know um, where one is always trying to please the other and the other one is never reciprocating this back and forth. Okay. Um, now, uh, within this, though, uh, he, he brings up women's rights. I think it's great. It's very interesting for me. Um, uh, I think it's on the top of page, bottom of page 14, top of 15, maybe. Yeah, top of 15. Um, All right, so so uh, so Adam and Eve and chapter three deals kind of directly within marriage, but it indirectly with all the different spheres of social life. Of course, we're mainly speaking about women, um, and so he talks about the need for conversion, and then the question of women's rights. So, how does the biblical and evangelical message? That's what he he. Uses how does that shed light on the cause of what's been kind of known as women's rights? Now this was written in the late '80s, so you know for those of us who were around, you know it's somewhat cultural context, but obviously it's just as important today as it was then. So, um, yeah. So the biblical and evangelical message. First of all, what is the biblical and evangelical message as it relates to women's rights? Anybody want to answer that question? How does how does that shed light on women's rights? I did not do a good job setting this up, by the way, because I I got on a tangent here and I forgot to. All right, let me let me. Um, Right. Well, yeah, because he actually uses uh, the word different. Um, in the middle of page 15, I don't know if I actually wrote that down. The personal resources of femininity are certainly no less than the resources of masculinity. They are merely different. I don't know if merely, I don't know if merely would have been the right word I would use. But, um, so, yeah, so that goes to what Julie just said is that um, they're not necessarily equal as being the same, but they're just as important. Uh, Holly. Well, when we first talked, I was thinking about this at the beginning of Levison, how the domination plays in. Right. And, and it has been compounded generation after generation of this male Right. Yep. It is... Clear to me why women felt like they had to break out of this dominance. Sure. It resulted from the compounding of sin mm-hmm. on the woman. Right. Not that the woman is sitting back, but you think like the fifties and the. Well, yeah, I mean, it depends on, yeah, it depends on, I, I, would, I would say, yeah, so there's cultural issues going on and there's, there's uh, per, you know, familial or personal issues happening. 
I think I think the most practical is I don't want to get too. Uh, it, first of all, I'm not interested in getting in politics. Um, I think everyone will be uncomfortable and comfortable with this conversation at some time. Um, what I'm really most interested on is is personal relationships because I think I think that's first and primarily. So yeah, so Holly had. This is true. There are historical precedents of of male dominance that has has rather than upheld the gift of woman, it has, has well consciously or unconsciously tried to destroy it. Played into the enmity that Satan has for women. Um, uh, Jody, I do like when he says here that. Uh, because of the male dominance, women, you don't want to lead to masculization of women. Right. You need to maintain their own right. difference, like a difference from women. Yeah. Well, um, so, so we're working on this basic biblical principle that there are, love is gendered. There's male and female. And the best place for, or the best thing for men is to be masculine and women to be feminine. However, um, yeah, so, so when uh, men, unfortunately what, it, what has happened in the history is that they've equated this domination with what? Masculinity. Men are not created for that, though. Men are created for, um, for forgiving, but for 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 women, they're they're there to make sure they're they're there for women to. to well, <laughs> no, for women to to. I, I always like to use the word blossom into women, but I mean blossom is maybe not the right word. I, I don't know, just just to to be to grow into the people that God created them to be. Um. So so yeah, the round that would be the wrong outcome. And is for rather than going back to the original unity between the two, they've just exchanged one form of dominance for another. The mutual self-giving of each other is is really, you know, what the outcome should be. So women's right—you can't talk about women's rights without talking about men's rights. I guess you know. I mean, there's this—they're not abstracted from one another. There's this interplay between each other. Yeah. Um, yep. The last sentence in the second paragraph, even the sentence before, but whenever a man is responsible for offending a woman's personal dignity and vocation, he acts yep. contrary to his own personal dignity and vocation. Exactly. And I think you could flip that. Yep, that's exactly right. It's exactly right. You can easily flip that and it be truthful. So one of the things, though, is that um, women's rights, so some, uh, what would be the outcome of women's rights? We already talked about this. uh, But we have to talk about what's femininity. Did I write that question down about, like, what what would that mean? What is the the, um, uh, resources of femininity? What would that? What does that mean? What do you think that means? The personal resources of femininity are certainly no less than the resources of masculinity. They are merely different. 
Yeah, so this is the good question. I, yes, this, uh, that might be true. I, you want to, you always, this, this is John Paul is getting to this later, and I think in section six, where he talks about motherhood and virginity, and how Mary is the virginal mother, which is kind of strange, of course. Um, so the, the femininity cannot be necessarily abstracted into nurturing. Well, strictly only. I mean, that's definitely, that's definitely something of it. But, uh, but when we get back to Adam and Eve, the feminine resources, a personal resources of femininity, are always understood kind of under this, this kind of dichotomy of motherhood and virginity played out in the characters or the people of Eve and Mary. This is where we look for what it means to be a woman. And um, as, as, as uh, you know, simple as that sounds, it's, it's, there's a lot in there that can be unpacked. And so you know, he just kind of flippantly says, that's what it is. And he's going to start unpacking this throughout the rest of the document. So, I want you guys to start thinking about those things. But, Carol, what were you going to say? Uh, oh, um, women as a whole do think differently. Okay, yep. I, I believe you, yes. I, 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 well, yeah, I think, I think women do. So women have... They see different... They see the world through different eyes. Yes. Yes. This is true. They may not see, I mean, and, and men see the world through different eyes. So sort of that they, um, oh, what do you call it, that you, you look through when you see it in 3D? Yes. Yes, the old-fashioned thing. Yeah. You put them... Come on, what do you put that? I used to see those at the library all the time. Too old. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Oh, good. Yeah, excellent. That's, that's a great analogy. Yeah. Yes. See, the two, the two together bring a, a fullness, a richness, a depthness to understanding life. Life in general. Yeah. Um, so this is where, um, when like businesses or like even like you know groups, when they try to incorporate m- male and female voices. These are these are these are good things. Those are those are those are important things. It can't be just one. Um, now, how that gets played out, that'll, that'll be a different kind of question. But that basic premise is an echo of the original unity that God created man and woman to live in. Yeah, so that's, that's very important. So this is where I think. The Christians can bring a very unique voice to the discussion of women's rights. Um, I did not include Jessica Valenti, our favorite favorite uh, woman's voice, today because I just couldn't find any snippet. It was just it was too long of quotes. Um, but but her pers- so she says a lot of great things about uh, restoring women. And then she says some things that are like fundamentally wrong. 
So she'll, she'll like, I think we should be great advocates for uh, maternal leave and paternal leave. And we should be great advocates for work to facilitate the life of women. So whether you're a mother or you're not a mother, the life of a woman should be important to, you know, kind of like human resources, health benefits, uh, vacation policies. Because at the same time as you focus on those, then you also focus on men too. And what helps foster um, a society that actually believes these things are important. Um, that's kind of a simple example, vacation policies. And, but you could get into a whole variety of other uh, certain issues, too. Is there a hand up? Yeah, Jody. Yeah, right. I mean, there's actual physical difference that you can see, which is interesting. When you say you see it through different eyes, you have a different set of seeing things. Yeah. Even biologically, we are made differently. Yeah. We, well, absolutely. Yeah, we're we do different DNA, right? Um, the uh, yeah, it, it, this is important. So these differences uh, are not less important. I mean, of course, that's the that's the male domination lie. Is that you know they're not as good as you know <laughs> as men. Um, they're they're important, so they have to be taken into. Everyone has to. Every every perspective has to take be taken into consideration. Am I um, naive in thinking I've never really thought about it, like you're talking about it now? I've always thought about domination as more of a protection, and um, I, I've never really seen it as a domination. Right. I've seen it as a, a protection of your. Yeah. No. Yeah. The word. Yeah. The word dominate is under, is uh, is not a good word. No. 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 You're not. So you're describing pre pre pre. You're describing Jody. You're describing the the reality before Satan attacks Eve. So the fe- so there is a headship. So Adam is is head head. Well, yeah. Is is uh. So there is this relationship going on, right? Adam's giver, Eve receiver, um, and so sometimes that's, that's articulated as as like headship. Um, but the reality, though, is is that um, being a receiver is not like less of a, a place in life. And so, unfortunately, when someone dominates, they they don't they don't turn the receiver into an object to be manipulated, rather than a person. To be given to, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, right. So, so yeah, so you're you're thinking rightly. I just would not use the word like dominate. Having dominion, that's a that's a different thing. I know these are all kind of similar words, but yeah, having dominion is a is a gospel word, but that's mainly related to society and to each other and to to, to culture, not to the personal relationship between Adam and Eve. Well, that's a great, good question. Thanks for asking that because it, it, it's so helpful for us to kind of think about how these words are and make sure that we speak clearly because it, it's all so convoluted. Um, I, I, have, I do want to show you a little clip here in a second. 
Uh, oh, yeah, so I already mentioned uh, Satan hates women the most. We see this in Revelation chapter 12 also. Revelation chapter 12 is the uh, St. Michael and the dragon. But Satan wants to come and, what does he want to do? He wants to kill the child. Yeah. But of course, who's whisked away? Well, St. Ma- Michael comes out of nowhere, kicks butt, which is awesome. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. Who's whisked away? I suppose I could look it up in my Bible. It's not just the child. It's the mother, too. It's the woman. Uh, Yep. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she was, uh, where she has a place prepared by God. The child was caught up to the Place prepared, yeah, a special spot, because women have a special spot, that's right. Okay, um, Satan wants to destroy all that, hates that. So I already mentioned the uh, woman is the image of humanity, I quote uh, something from page 16, the words of the Proto-Evangelium, which by the way is a, is a Lutheran phrase. First person to kind of be know, like known to do it, I think, was David Hollis, or it was David Catreus, who's a Reformational scholar. And Pope Benedict himself said it, by the way. So John Paul didn't, but Pope Benedict did. It's like, oh, hey. That's, who I, that's where I got the information from. Whether he's right or wrong, I don't know, but I, I always feel like that's, that's a cool shout-out for Lutherans. The uh, Proto-Evangelium is the, 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 the first gospel word, first word of salvation. It's a Latin phrase. Um, okay, so, so the words of the first gospel, reread in the light of the New Testament, express well the mission of woman and the Redeemer's salvific struggle against the author of evil in human history. So we have Eve is the mother of all the living. She's a witness to the truth about man as a person. And, of course, how sin gets in the world. Mary is the witness to the new creation and the truth about grace. So we already kind of talked about that stuff. So um, Mary images for us what it means to be Christian, to be human. How does she do that? A big, long quote. What that can be is, is um, Mary says yes to the angel Gabriel. God dwells in her bodily. Thus, the relationship between God and man is... Restored, but God inside the human, the man, the female, subsequently then reveals who she is. So the Son, Jesus Christ, so, so you have, again, you have this great giving and receiving relationship going on. God gives his seed to, to Mary. She says yes. Which is a, that's a faithful statement, of course, by grace. I think I hopefully I wrote that down. By grace, we okay, yeah. So I'm, so of course, grace. The Holy Spirit overshadows her. She says yes. Jesus now takes up residence inside her, and by that residence, now she understands who she's supposed to be, and subsequently, all of us then. So that's that big long quote. 
so God has helped man to discover who he is. All right. Um, oh, and of course, then we do that sacramentally in the Lord's Supper, where God comes to us and says, uh, I, I want to be born in you. And we say yes by receiving the Lord's Supper. And then we birth life through acts of mercy, witness, mission. Um, and that, that's very important for us. So, so that same imagery of giving, receiving. and that, So that's the thing about the Lord's Supper that's so dynamic. And we say that in the prayer every Sunday. If you guys ever noticed that. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have uh, refreshed us through the salutary gift, and we implore you. So, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another, the Lord's Supper creates fervent love towards one another. That love, of course, is understood in terms of 1 John 4.10, where God loved us, we love one another, love is present. Um, Mary receives God's gifts. She births Christ, which, of course, then loves the world. Um, I, yeah, let's, I'm just going to show this, this video. Uh, it's by Christopher West. We saw he's the shameless guy, but you know, talking about naked bodies and art. But um, this one I like because it, it's towards the men, but we learn so much about women by watching it. So I think it's good. members this one might be in particular for the guys out there ladies you can listen in i'm sure you can benefit as well but speaking as a male one of the main idols in this world is feminine beauty why guys why is that one of the main idols we make because woman is one of the main icons of heavenly mysteries and that's what we're really looking for we want to enter these heavenly mysteries. Indeed, you've heard me say this before in, in other videos. Woman is the image of heaven on earth. Why? What is heaven? It's the dwelling place of the Most High God. This, this is the mystery of our faith. That woman's body, through Mary, became, not metaphorically, not poetically, but really and truly, woman's body became the dwelling place of the Most High God. Guys, do you know what this means? It means bedrock Christian principle. God comes to encounter us through woman's body. This means woman's body is holy. This means woman's body is sacred. This means there's an enemy who doesn't want us to know and encounter the true beauty of woman's body. Guys, I know this battle like any guy knows this battle. And here's something that recently happened to me. In the midst of one of these struggles to see woman's body rightly, I was just saying, Lord, I give you this desire in my heart. I give you this attraction to feminine beauty in my heart. I ask you, please, to untwist in me whatever sin has twisted up so that I might come to see the true beauty of woman as an image of the heavenly bride, as an image of that heavenly dwelling place. 
And then I opened the readings for the day that day. And I kid you not, the first reading was from the book of Revelation. And it said, come here and I will show you the bride. Come here and I will show you the bride. It was such an affirmation to me that that the Lord was speaking to my heart saying, the, the path here, when we are tempted, when we turn feminine beauty into an idol, the right path is not to crush our desire. The right path is not to try to repress all that's going on inside of us. True enough, sometimes you're in a burning building, you got to run like hell out of that burning building, sure enough. But that's only the first step. We have to allow the Lord into our disordered desires to redirect them towards the truth of the heavenly beauty we long for. My brothers, it's right in scripture, come here, the Lord says, and I will show you the bride. We have to give our yearning and desire for feminine beauty to the Lord so that he can show us the bride the true feminine beauty we long for. He's going to lead us. He's going to lead us to the only perfectly beautiful woman there ever was, Mary. And through her beauty, we will come to see a ray of that glory and beauty shining through every woman. And woman's beauty no longer becomes an obstacle to holiness, but the path to it. That's the journey. Stay on it, brothers, and pray for me. Peace. Okay. Um... That actually relates to today's. Now, he's, I think he, his main emphasis has to do with um, lustful looking. But his emphasis also is very appropriate for related to this domination. So one of his fundamental points was, uh, you know, the reasons why men have problems with women's bodies is because it's a twisted, um, we've turned women's bodies into idols. So... Um, which means we have all very sinful ways of seeing, seeing women. So that would be, you know, uh, pornography, but also, um, just, you know, destroying women's bodies. And so those are two sides of the same coin of, of this sin. The thing is, though, what's interesting is that, so Satan attacks that, and guys have suffered too much from that attack, because how does God redeem that? Which I think is, is, is a great point there. He transforms the men's eyes to see what is actually there. To see woman as this place of beauty. Now again, he's not, he's not talking about husbands and wives only. He's talking about each one of you as a woman. Now have this beauty with you within you because of what God has done through woman. Woman being kind of a, the title of, of who, who you are, um, which is, finds this fulfillment in, in Mary. So this isn't like a, a made-up pretend thing about you. This actually happens. This has happened in history with, with what happened in the Annunciation. So th- I think, I think his, his, uh, his, his great thing is, is so wonderful because... Now that informs then how men see women in general, which then would affect how you know politicians understand women's rights or, or how husbands understand their wives, and then how um, you know how me as a guy understand all of you as just a, a woman. Yeah, Tina. So I just wanted to 
in my mind make the distinction because I hear a lot of evangelicals speak where they kind of equate crushing and suppressing, you know, yeah. these things, and that is the way they give it to God. Right. And you're saying that the difference is when you really give it to God, He changes the way you see things. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, there is a starvation diet out there. That's what Christopher West calls it, which it tries to. Well, he did say right. Sometimes you gotta you gotta get the hell out of a burning building, <laughs> which you know, which means, which is similar to this crushing aspect. But that's not the point. That that's like that's a band aid to a lifelong change that needs to be done. So what happened, so actually there's, I think I might have told you this story, I can't remember, but there's a story where Christopher West will tell that he had, he he like learned this from a a pastor who um, was walking along the streets of Rome with another, another, you know, the priest and um, a woman, a woman of the night came walking by. And the, and the one pastor is staring right at her. The other guy's like, puts his head down and it's like, what, what, what is wrong with you? People will see you staring at this woman that we shouldn't be staring at. Those are the two, those are two, those are two ways of handling things. The one guy who looked away is this, this thing that you just mentioned. Let's crush it and just ignore it. I mean, just pretend it doesn't exist. The other one actually sees the woman for who she is and says, here's a beautiful child of God, and she doesn't know it. So he actually sees her without lustful eyes, but loving eyes. So now, of course, those are, those are, those are two rightful ways of seeing things, but the one is the ultimate way of seeing things. So yeah, so I, I grew up, hey, I can't, uh, you know, um, well, like for instance, I, I find this interesting. We have in our house a picture of a statue. Uh, it was for the, so these statues were from, uh, are in the Hermitage in St. Petersburg, Russia. And they're all uh, ancient, I, I don't know if they were Greek or Roman statues. I mean, beautiful statues, you know, but these are the naked people. And Holly took a picture of it, and it's really nice. It's really nice. It's funny thing is, I I never really noticed that up there until we had visitors from visitors. I'm like, huh? I wonder what I wonder what they're thinking about us right now. Pastor with like small children, and you know, we got we got we got like a photo with naked people up there. But I, I've never. I that's the funny thing is, like I've never really saw that and been like, huh? That's those are those are naked people. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, so, so that that I mean, so this would be this would be that's analogous, is that we see. I mean, the other thing too is I think we they talked about that in the art. So this is analogous to what the art discussion was, is um, the Sistine Chapel right is filled with naked bodies, but nobody goes and says, "Oh man, you know, rated X pornography." In the same way, that, that's what, you know, but there was a time in church history where, I can't remember what pope, but he, he had him, you know, paint, yeah, over everything. 
And then years later, they're like, we need, we need to remove that because that's not rightfully the way of underseeing things. So yeah, Tina. So the, this is something, seeing, seeing beauty is, uh, that's one way of understanding our uh, men's relationship, seeing women. Women are beautiful because of what God has done. Period. Martha. So, and along those same lines, so in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, run out of the burning building. Right. You're watching pornography, turn it off. You know, that's one thing. But yeah. And also, don't touch a hot stove, all these things that we do. That's right. But in general, just kind of the whole umbrella over, we're going to squash it, push it down, ignore it. Yeah. Versus go to scripture, right. God change our vision, the first example is all about us. Right. If we had the power to do that, then we wouldn't be sinful. Right. If we have to rely on yeah, God's grace, yeah, right. Change the way we That's right. see things. So maybe it's not, there are times when it's appropriate right. to not do something, but to use that as your primary tool of, well, I can do it, I can fix it, I can ignore it. Right. It's not really. No, no, exactly right. So, yeah, so let's, I want to be clear about this. There's no good pornography. I mean, so I don't want, yeah, this, that's like, and that, we saw that in the uh, video about the art, the intention of the artist, okay? Um, so I just want to make sure that's clear. But, um, but yeah, so, so um, the fundamental, the only way, well, this is what he said in the video. The only way to, uh, untwist our our wrong vision, which see, that's part of Roman Catholic thing. Our vision is not twisted; we're blind. So we we need to be we need to give give new eyes. So yeah, so that's the thing is that we can't we can't pre, we can't pretend that we're going to do it on our own because we're blind. We see something, but we're blind to the way God sees it, and so we need to have God's eyes, Jesus' eyes. Jesus goggles. So, um, but that that with that though, then the beauty of a, of a woman comes up or, or blossoms or, or is exposed, and then of course, as a man, I say, this is, this is beautiful. These are beautiful people, and what's the, what's the proper response to, to beautiful people? Well, to love and care and support and see them thrive in life. Krista. But Pastor, I think that's so wonderful that Jesus loves the women. That, and that's the next section. Good job. Good, Krista. The next section is actually about, so John Paul then goes through the scripture and shows how Jesus has, has really done this. He gives examples of how Jesus sees the, sees the women as, as God has actually created them. That's a good job, Krista. So, so yeah, so so the way John Paul does this, thinking wise, is that we would we would typically say this is how Jesus sees women, you know, and then and then you know help us understand that he he actually sets out the gift first. These are the way women are, and let's see how Jesus sees them. Yeah. All right, great. Let's pray. Uh, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.